Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter oh, yeah. the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. Yeah. I'm jet propelled at all times. <laughs> How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think you know, it's bullshit. The, <laughs> I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. no. We're going to teabag fight. Yeah. <laughs> you heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five, Beavis? <laughs> now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers. Craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. It's the session here on the Brewing Network. My name is JP, and today's show, pretty excited. It's a California show uh, from a brewery in Bakersfield. But before we get to that, of course, I want to thank our sponsor, More Beer. You can go to morebeer.com, learn about everything there is to learn and to know and to enjoy about making your own things at home. It's uh, homebrew, and it's cider, and it's wine, and coffee roasting, and... I don't know, probably metal work. I'm sure you can buy some sort of lathe machine from them, too. I have no idea what goes on over there, more beer. But they have everything you guys need to make good beer at home, great beer at home, cleaning supplies, draft equipment. Like I said, all the all the winemaking equipment you can you could ever uh, shake a mash paddle at. I don't know. I'm confusing my metaphors. But uh, anyway, uh, today on the show, Temblor Brewing Company from Bakersfield, California, and we have Don Bynum on the line here. Don, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. You know, uh, not only I love talking to, to California breweries, but uh, in Bakersfield, I know literally nothing about Bakersfield. 
So I'm excited that there are uh, there's at least one brewery. I know that there's several in there too. Uh, you know, I think, and I think Bakersfield is a is a big place. I think we always. I mean, I'm in Northern California here in Oakley, and you know, it's it, we always just sort of like there's the sign for Bakersfield, but when we're going to LA, I don't really there's I don't know what, I don't know what there's to do up there. Um, I know you had a you know a lot of country and western music going on. I see you are on. Um, oh, what is it? Come on. I just had I ju- I just was looking at it. Uh, Buck Owens Drive, Buck Owens Boulevard, is it? Boulevard, yeah, yeah. So it's like there you go, some Buck Owens. Uh, you know, I like I like some old timey country, but um, yeah. Other than that, man, how did you end up in Bakersfield? Tell me, tell me a little bit about uh, your time in Bakersfield. What's going on? Sure, I'm, I'm I'm born and raised, and so is my dad. Nice. Um, grandparents came from Oklahoma uh, in the '30s and uh, settled in Bakersfield. And Shafter, which is a small town outside of Bakersfield. Um, yeah, my um, background, though, is my dad's uh, a commercial real estate developer, and I was a property manager and a bro- commercial broker for about 15 years before taking this project on. Um, the unique part about the project um, is that it is in one of our developments. It's an old uh, Home Depot-type building. Okay. And yeah, so we took the corner, uh, we took the garden section of that building and built a brewery and that's cool, man. Uh, yeah. And, but as far as Bakersfield goes, you know, when I was a kid, um, it was, you know, it was about a hundred thousand people and we're sitting at about 500,000 now. So wow, it's grown, grown dramatically. And I think we're number nine on the list of California cities, um, size wise, um, I think just behind Oakland, actually. So and oh, geez, and Long Beach, yeah. Wow, and you guys are very spread out too, right? It is. Uh, it is pretty spread out. Um, you know, downtown's um, just a couple miles over from where we are along mm-hmm. the ninety nine, and then you've got you got housing fifteen miles and you know east and west. So yeah, it's about thirty you know thirty miles in diameter, and yeah, very unique city. Um, but the brewing industry, the, the most unique thing about Bakersfield is that we tend to get into trends late. Um, and the brewing industry is, is a little um, smaller and further behind than other places of our size. Uh, we were only the second brewery to open, and, and we opened in 2015. Um, wow. There was lengthwise, yeah, lengthwise opened in, I believe, 98. So they've been around, but they were by themselves for 17 years. <laughs> um <laughs> just the only just the, the the bullseye as big as the target at that point and you're just like this exactly. is it we have you know two hundred thousand people at some point i don't know Come exactly so yeah so we love we love being um in bakersfield we love the culture of um old country and um being a part of that and then being close to los angeles and you know the sierras and the beach and everything it's kind of like two hours away from most places except four hours from the bay. So from where you are. So, yeah. And you know, but when you're, when you're making that drive down the five, it feels like five light years away, you know, it's just it's soul. And the, other, the other thing about the five is that I think Bakersfield's notorious for just being bypassed by the five. Yeah. It's, it's about 15 miles West of the edge of town. So that's not too bad, you know, and I'm, I'm so guilty of it. I'm one of those drivers that like, I got to get to where I'm going. I barely will stop to go to the bathroom. You know, right. it's like, okay, I, we got to go because even 15 minutes while I go, well, then that's 15 minutes back. 
and then whatever. And then I can't do it. But now as I'm getting older, it's like I would, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested now to see what's around me. I'm not so like nose to the dashboard kind of thing, especially driving because you want to take a stop. You want to take a break, um, yeah. especially off that drive. That's just the worst drive in history, I think. It's because there's nothing going on, but I don't know. There's a lot of stuff spraying. Up. That's interesting, man. I I think that's uh, that's crazy. So you were you were the second brewery in town. How was that transition? First of all, from commercial real estate development to to a brewery, was there something in between? How did you how did you get mixed well, up in yeah, beer? So I did. Um, me and a couple of friends opened a private bar downtown back in 2011. A private bar. Private bar, membership only. What? It's like a yeah. social, like the social clubs you hear about, in like the twenties yeah. and thirties. Okay, exactly. Um, huh? Why is that? What can you? Uh, I don't know. I, tell me I a little bit about that. Explain why we, you know, why we went forward with it, oh. even ten years later. But um, if Doc was I, here, he would say because you could. Yeah, because we could. It was. <laughs> it's a, it, it's a tiny little thing, and it and it was you know it was like we 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 thought to ourselves if nobody ever joins up, at least we have our own little spot to hang out and have our friends over or whatever. And, um, but the thing, the thing that was really born out of was a trip to Belgium and Germany and experiencing the Belgian beer culture and Oktoberfest. And then kind of coming back and just, um, for me personally, becoming obsessed with mm. homebrewing Belgian beers in particular. Um, and it, it kind of, kind of, uh, was born out of that pretty quickly um, within six months of that trip. So <laughs> had you heard about homebrewing before? Yes. Okay. I definitely heard about it. Um, but until I experienced that kind of European, uh, no matter what bar you go into, you know, everyone's just focused on the beer, you know? Yeah. Uh, it really like, you know, I, I hadn't even really been to craft breweries all that much other than lengthwise at that point. And, so it really opened my eyes and, um, I, you know, I was used to dive bars, mostly Bakersfield was, you know, mostly dive bars at that point. Um, gotta love a good and, dive know, just, bar, man. Yeah, just changed the way that I thought about everything. And so I became, you know, I started reading and experimenting and everything. So, okay. So you went to Belgium you're like, Oh, my eyes are open. I want to come back and do this. I can, I could, I could do this. I'm yes. a smart guy. I know how to cook stuff. I could do this, right? Yeah. How was your uh, and you have a homebrew shop in Bakersfield, I think, too, right? We do. Yeah. Um, yes, we do have one. Uh, we had one in the past that um, had had that went out of business, but um, yeah, there's now uh, six going on eight breweries in town, wow. um, plus Kern River Brewing up the hill, um, and then we have. Yeah, we have a bunch of craft beer places now. And so it, the community's um, just exploded with craft beer in the last five or six years. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, that is like, it's like the big bang of craft beer in Bakersfield. Exactly. Or it's just nothing's going on before. What ha what came before the craft breweries, Daddy? Nothing, son. It was We don't know yet. We're still trying to figure that out. So you're, you're home brewing. You're, are you focusing more on Belgian beers? Because that's sort of what you fell in love with? Or are you focusing on you know, the West coast IP. How long ago was this? This was 2010. 2010. Uh, okay. So sort of after the West coast IPAs have died down a little bit or maybe not. I don't really remember. Well, around here I, I was, I wasn't aware. So, okay. <laughs> um, what kind of beers were you drinking beforehand before you so went I, over to Belgium? I quickly took many trips to San Diego and, you know, you know, went to stone and Ballast okay. Point and all those places. And yeah, but so I was, 
I was making Belgians because I was so obsessed with, you know, the, the higher alcohol golden ale, um, like the Duval or the triple Carmelite. Oh yeah. Uh, Le Chouf is one of my favorites. Once those get um, into your bloodstream, they don't leave. They just don't. And it's, I swear it's like you have like, like sensory enhanced sensory memory when you drink those specific beers. I've never had them at the, at the source. Um, I've had like a super fresh, uh, West Vletter in six one. So mm. it was like bottled two weeks and it was like, will never probably happen again. And I still remember that beer or at least what I, what I think that beer was. Right. Um, yeah. but it's, it's hard with, you know, sort of American craft beers to have that, but it's, it, especially when you're first drinking because these, these Belgian beers are so intricate. It's a Rubik's cube of flavors. And how do you unlock that? And they change and they, well, if they sit out too long, then they change into this, which is still good, but it's not the same as this other thing. So, so you're trying to pin those down in your own home brewery. Yeah, I tried. And, um, did you do it? doesn't sound like you I, did it. Yeah, I mean, I did. Um, I, I learned about a sanitation pretty quickly. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. And I was using iodine, I think, and, uh, and I, you know, I learned over the years. I also tried to make some pale ales. They were, they were pretty decent. But then I really got kind of going on um i bought a five gallon barrel um and uh started putting beers in that so Mm -hmm. then i contaminated my whole uh, brew system (laughs) (laughs) wild yeast so uh, okay so i had some some you know unique beers there's no doubt about that (laughs) yeah and i love i only bottle conditioned for the first four years so i was that was one of my favorite parts was was bottle conditioning and you know waiting for it to finish and all that so the anticipation of the yeah the build up to the hard work kind of thing right yeah i understand that you know i'm i'm still thinking about your bar though oh, so yeah. so whatever happened with that did, did so, people sign up was it a yeah so we we got 55 of our friends to sign up on day okay. 1 and um and we we wanted it to feel like a Belgian beer bar, so we oh. we really focused on the the matching glassware, having the bottles ready. Um, okay. We made sure, made sure to have the perfect pint Guinness, and we had triple Carmelite on on draft from day one. Jeez. And then just a few a few other craft beers on draft. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there was, you know, I had my full time day job and. So my job was to show up at five o'clock on Thursday, each Thursday and bartend um, until nine. And we had a rule. And then my partners would fill in the other days. Um, we had a rule that you could have one mixer um, <laughs> with your liquor drink or um, because we didn't know how to make cocktails. So we weren't <laughs> going to spend the time okay. to figure it out at, the, at that point. So you had a hard liquor, too. Yes, so okay. that's the key element of the private nature of the bar was that Bakersfield, I believe, still has a moratorium on new liquor licenses in the downtown core. Hmm. And um, so the only way to get a public liquor license is to take over an existing bar or to purchase the license from that bar. And that just almost never happens. So um, we we figured out that you could buy one from out of the area and move it in as long as it was private. And so the, the oh. specific license allows only, it's a club license. Okay. So. That's, 
I've never heard of that. Is it is the the moratorium because there's just there's too many bars down there even still today or <laughs> No, I think it's okay. from many many decades ago. Um I think it's just from the idea that we don't want any more bars okay. um in this area. Um and I don't think there's too many um especially now with the amount of people we have. So, um yeah. I think we got some work to do on on that. So Okay. <laughs> Interesting. All right. That's cool. So, so uh, is the bar still going? It is. It's uh, just celebrating 10 years, and we're actually working on moving it to a little bit larger location and um, in the next 12 months. So um, it, it does have a full-time uh, manager. Um, I don't really have to you know, deal or, or do anything nice. on the day-to-day with it, so That's other than you know, show up every once in a while. Yeah. So is it, it's, is it it's still, pretty, it's awesome. still, private, uh, still private bar? It is still private, yes. Okay. Would you want to you want to give it a plug? You can give it a shout if you want. Oh no, it's okay. Uh, okay. I, you know, we try to keep it um, keep it on the down. I'd love to have you there someday if you ever come to town. But, I would love um, to go. But yeah, we try to keep it a little bit secretive. Okay. All right. So. Well, don't no one listens to this show, so it's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that, man. I think that's a cool idea. Now, I now I kind of want to do that, but that sounds like a lot of a lot of money, honestly. Well, there there are other versions of this. I, I know there's one in San Diego at the top of a hotel. Um, there's a couple in LA, I'm sure. And then there's certainly some in Europe too. So in New York city. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure the European ones aren't licensed because they just don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. So you're home brewing, you got the bar going, you're working full time, you're busy dude. What makes you want to become even busier and open a brewery? Oh man, that is such a good question that I kind (laughs) of ask myself a lot, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, um, I just an intense entrepreneurial um, drive that, you know, just wouldn't leave me alone. Um, you know, the living, wanting to be here, wanting to be in Bakersfield and then still wanting so much more culture and um, other things that Bakersfield, you know, didn't have at the time or enough of. And so that, that's really what drove me. And then, you know, like the, the only being the second brewery around, just it felt like a good a good place to do this and get in get in on the ground floor um, of a movement and mm-hmm. so yeah that's really what what drove me um, but I still think back and I think yeah I was I was definitely crazy so um, <laughs> most people are man most people who come on the show go like I don't know why yeah you know there's something that moves me but other than that like it was stupid because I'm working a ton but at the same time I love it it's that kind of like that's yeah. that reoccurring thread through through all of the shows we've ever done is just so that same sort of mentality, the same sort of mindset of like, I just had to do it. Yeah, and I had people around me that you know wanted to do it too, and that that's really really what it boils down to is having the support to be able to do this. We have lo- thirty five local investors um, who you know signed up pretty early, and um, I you know I just felt blessed to have those guys. Um, you know, because it wouldn't exist without them. Um, yeah. you know, with the way that we built it, you know, kind of for growth versus being more conservative at the front end, um, is unique and, uh, made things, uh, pretty tough for the first few years. How was the city in having you come in? I mean, they only had one other brewery. We've heard a lot of stories on these shows uh, over the years about 
cities just not fully understanding the needs permitting wise or just the needs in like sewer systems for you know for for breweries did you have any pushback on that or were they easy to work with so i work with the city quite a bit you know um, Mm. separately with in the real estate world um so I'd, i'd had a lot of experience with them but not with industrial waste department at all okay and um the city was fine the health department was great um, you know, we have a, we have a restaurant as well. Nice. Um, but the waste, the waste department came in a little late on, um, on the, the need for wastewater, um, uh, retrieval and, and treatment. Okay. And they came in so late that we had already built everything. So, Oh, with like, with uh, like, here are the specs you're going to need to hit. And you're like, bro, we've already poured cement. Well, they, they, <laughs> they came in and said, Hey, you you got a your building department approved your permit and you built out your brewery, but you forgot this part and this is also required. And you know I, that uh, was naive on my part to to not understand the wastewater element. But mm-hmm. lengthwise, the brewery at the time wasn't really being um, monitored, and they were a fifteen barrel brew house. So I think the city kind of you know learned by us coming through and in and then you know as subsequent breweries have opened they've become experts now on what's necessary for breweries sure and we have a you know an above ground tank system um that hopefully will last a couple more years (laughs) (laughs) and um, (laughs) and uh yeah but at some point we're gonna have to probably go underground with it so yeah that was that was actually one of the most difficult parts of of the getting open part because it was just a, we were just sideswiped by it and, and it was expensive. It was very, I mean, it was just a budget number that we had not taken into account. So good gravy. Yeah. How long did it take you uh, to get open from, from start of construction to opening day? Oh, so I think we put our business plan together in like August of 14. And I think we opened in September. Yeah. We opened September of 15. So about 13 months from, that's not bad from, yeah, and, and that's the other thing. I I did about thirty construction projects, or I managed mm-hmm. about thirty construction projects prior to this, so it did give me kind of a, that experience to be able to like take the beating that that, that it gives you. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, that is true. You you do seem very sort of uh, you know predetermined to to be doing this for yourself, you know, because you know you get a lot of guys who who you know come on like, oh, I was a I don't know taxi driver, and then I threw a business plan together, but and then it was all fucked, but you know, it sounds like you, you definitely could draw upon your, your past experiences and, and yeah. put something together with, that gets through pretty quick. Without, without that experience, I wouldn't, I would have felt uh, very uncomfortable with this project, but it was yeah. still, it, it was still the most difficult one I've done. And, um, you know, the understanding a boiler and how it works and all that's, you know, for a brew house and all the, uh, all, there's so many things to learn there was a huge learning curve and um, I feel very fortunate that I had that experience going. Cause I, I don't know if I would have survived otherwise. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. You had so much other stuff to learn. W- was it yeah. you putting the, the entire brewery together? Like did you quit your day job and focus just on assembling the brew house or were other people brought in for that? No, we had a, we had a general contractor okay. and we had the, the brew house was built uh, by JV Northwest okay. up in Canby, Oregon. Mm-hmm. So there was a learning curve on the brewery being installed for sure, but we did have, we did have um, a head brewer on on site 
who um, had 12 years of commercial experience at the time, um, who, you know, came to us from Indiana. Mm-hmm. His name's Mike Lottie, and he's, he's now back in uh, Minnesota. Okay. Getting ready to open his own place. Nice. Um, but yeah, he, so he was here, and so he understood the inner workings and how to set everything up and all that. He'd worked at Harpoon for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, so having him was was an, was an absolute must for us feeling comfortable as well. So nice, yeah, that's really important. And there's a lot of those guys out there that are just cruise around and open your brewery for you. Yeah. You know, it's definitely important because there's there's yeah. there's a lot that can go wrong. You know, you yeah. think you know and everything. He, you think he was our head brewer for four years, and and he created some of our award winning beers and stuff. So excellent. Okay, yeah. so you opened in 2015. 2015. Okay, and how was the uh, the the community re- the community reception to you guys? It was it was wonderful. Yeah. It was really good. Um, Bakersfield is actually known for just hammering new restaurants or, or locations to eat. You know, just line out the door for like months and months and months. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, is it is it like a community support thing, or is it like there's something new? I think <laughs> Let's experience the both. new thing. I think okay. It's both, but the excitement of something new is definitely a big part of it. Uh, we recently got a yard house. <laughs> so, <laughs> they're still experiencing that, I think. I mean, post-COVID restrictions and all that. But Sure. Yeah, it's got to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's great. You see, so you had uh, a big big community rollout. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, and we had, um, we had this other group of people called Brick Founders. Um, we took some bricks from a... It just happened. It just so happened that there was a brewery built in 1918 downtown, and it got torn down like the year before we opened. So it had been sitting there empty for, you know, decades. And so we took some of those bricks and we installed them uh, in the brew house here, uh, or in the in the restaurant up on the wall. And then we sold we sold a, na- a naming on the wall opportunities um, called Brick Founders. And, uh, so the, so that group of people was, there's like two or 300 of them at that point. And, uh, those people were super bought in as well. And kind of the original support day to day. Wow. We were, we needed them just desperately as well. Cause our budget, we went over budget. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, shocked. I, I yeah. can't, <laughs> I'm shocked that that happened, <laughs> but you got through it. You're open. Did you have a kitchen um, up front? What's that? Did you have a Sorry. kitchen uh, when you first opened, yeah. or is that addition? Yeah, okay. I had a kitchen up front. Uh, my partner, one of my main partners, Tom Maxwell, his dad owned a restaurant, local restaurant, for the whole time he was a kid, and he worked in there. And so he was kind of the restaurant expert. Um, so yeah, we kind of had we had experts kind of scattered around, you know, to help us navigate certain things. And mm-hmm. our food's actually like something I'm most proud of. Um, and people, you know, it's, it's good. People come here just for the food separate of the beer. So, wow. That's a good, uh, it's a good problem to have. I don't know what yeah. I said problem, but that's, yeah, that's great, man. I mean, you don't want to be just one thing to everybody. You know, I think a, a lot of times people focus on the beer and then, you know, we have like a, you know, sandwich if right. you want, <laughs> if you're, if you're sort of hungry, but if you can do two things well and people don't know which one they want to, you know, uh, whatever. I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, without the restaurant, there's no way we would have made it. So, um, very wow. thankful for that. Yeah, that's cool. What kind of uh, beer styles were you focusing on when you first opened? So we we went with um, 
Well, I brought some cans. So we started with El Cerrito Mexican style lager. I have that. You know what? I'm going to open it. Oh, awesome! It's a good time to open it. So you started with the Mexican lager. We Love did, and, and you know, it's, it. it's a full-bodied Mexican lager. We kind of went with the Vienna lager, you know, real historical version before it got to Mexico type style. Um, and man, we love this beer. We, you know, we, most of us around here, it's what we drink the most. And, um, I would too. Won, it won a U.S. Open gold medal back in like 17, I think. Nice. Um, Congrats, man. So yeah, that was, we definitely wanted to start with a lager and, um, and then we also wanted to start with the Belgian wit, the under a blood orange sky. Um, and those those are the two beers that are the same, virtually. Super clear, okay. like crystal clear Mexican yeah. lager, man. Look, at, you can see my stupid face behind it, <laughs> and the head's still going too. Well, tell me a little bit about the Mexican lager. What um, I mean, you said you were you were trying to go for more Vienna style, which is great. Um, what's your what's your your lagering time on these? So we're actually at this rate we're we're lagering for, I think for. 35 to 40 days. Wow. Um, yeah. And, okay. um, German lager yeast. Um, so when, when, when Oktoberfest rolls around, this actually becomes my, you know, my German lager for the, for the month. <laughs> yeah. And we, get out, we get out the big mugs and all that. So, um, because it does remind me of, um, it reminds me of some of the great German lagers. Yeah, it does, man. It, it it's super malty and and smooth in that way, but it does have some of the Mexican lager yeast characteristics. Yeah, um, it is in it is in between. What made you decide to do that instead of just going pure like, you know, Mexican style or pure Vienna style? Uh, just ha- you know, I'm always having to do something unique. I can't. Um, that's that's really what it boils down to is something that that you don't get anywhere else. Um, or that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, now we learned the hard lesson uh, that you know the the beer did not do well in the marketplace um, huh. because it because people didn't really know what or figure out what it was you know and <laughs> okay. um, and Mexican okay. lagers around here are incredibly popular. Modelo is number one or number two beer I think around here right now with good or reason. Has, God yeah, bless a Modelo. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that beer is so amazing. Uh, you know, the Negro Modelo is great. Just the the classic or the especial, I think, is the um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. It's just it's just amazing beer. So yeah, I mean, it's actually it's it's a long term beer. It did not, you know, it's okay. actually doing better now than it ever has. And um, you know, you've got people near actually up near you. There's a pl- little place called El Cerrito, and mm-hmm. those people are all over it. They like. <laughs> There's a guy that orders um has a little I can't remember what the name is but has a little pub um and he orders like five cases at a time and wow. So yeah, it's nice, it's, man. Um, it's pretty cool. Um and it's, you know, like I said, it's the one that we love. It and Streets of Bakersfield IPA I think are the ones that we drink all the time. So I'm uh, about half a can in now cuz I'm I'm trying to really change the pH of my mouth and really it's my first beer of the day so I'm really trying to like get a grip on it and it is it is an interesting it's an interesting beer because it is sort of like uh there is an aggressive bitterness to it you know it's not overly bitter I wouldn't I wouldn't call it bitter but it's aggressive it's forceful it's right it's right there but it's 
it's like sort of at the end. I don't know. Sometimes when I taste things, I, I get like, um, uh, I don't know, brain dead is one word for it. But I just get focused on, on like where to put if if the the beer I'm drinking was a timeline, where in the finish or where in the mid palate this one thing would be. And this is sort of like at the mid palate towards the beginning of the finish, if that makes any sense to anybody who's also brain dead. Um, but and it's just and it's like it's right there. And it's sort of like it sort of reminds you that it's that it's an American style beer. It sort of reminds you that it's that it's. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's, it reminds you that it's not Modelo. It reminds you that it's not just a Mexican lager. It's it's different. It is. It's, it is unique. Like you were saying, it's sort of its own, sort of its own thing. I do like this beer a lot. You, there's there's a nice malt backbone to it. Uh, there's a little bit of bready going on, but not really. Um, the 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 uh, the yeast profile is is heavy and 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 focused, which it should be. Um, yeah, this is a it's a great beer. I like this beer a lot. Thanks. And so it was it was hard to, you know, for, for the local sort of to, to figure it out. Was that just through education that people came around and now it's doing a lot better? Or, um, you know, what what do you explain that? Or how do you explain the, um, would you call it a resurgence? I don't know. I mean, uh, people have opened up to it maybe. I think mostly the growth of the growth of craft in Bakersfield is is really the big the big thing. I, I think craft here, I mean, if I had to guess was one to two percent of the market when we started okay and so when people were coming in a lot of people coming in you got bud light you got coors light you know where's your light beer or whatever and we're like no no you got el cerrito yeah. you know that's your that's that's as light as it gets so we force people to drink that's we force people to drink el cerrito when they came <laughs> <laughs> and because the they wanted light beer and and since then we've mm-hmm. We've created a lighter beer, but I was going to ask: Have you, if if there was a if there was pressure to do that, and, was, and how you reacted was. to it? Yeah, enough years where you're just getting hammered, um, you know. Um, but but yeah, trial. You know, people tasting it or having to drink it while they're here, realizing how much they love it. Yeah, and then you know, and then that's really what led to its growth. But um, it does get. Um, a lot of love outside of, of, of town and, and outside of the county. So um, it's just where, wherever the craft beer um, love is, is, is I think it's more appreciated. So, yeah, I can see that. Where are you distributed? You said you're up we here are, a little bit, right? Up here in Northern California. Yeah. We just started in Sacramento North um, with Sacani and uh, just about six weeks ago. So um, nice. But they've done really well so far, and um, we're we're all over the place, Lake Tahoe, Redding, okay, um, Davis, um, Folsom, all those places. A little, you know, we're speckled around there. Yeah, so, and those are all you, you know pretty big craft growth areas too right now. The Sacramento uh, scene is. We spent a couple of days up there recently, and I just like, I was just loving it. <laughs> it's just, it's such a cool vibe up there with with craft beer right now. Um, so gives me some, you know, I think Bakersfield's on its way, you know. Um, it but, sounds like it. I mean, what, you said in five years there was like six breweries or? Yeah. Yeah, and I, like think, that? I think we're probably five or 6% craft as a marketplace right now, which wow. is probably about half of the nationwide average. Um, so, yeah, we've we got a long ways to go, but we're, we've made a lot of progress. You're, so. you're getting there, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really great. What about craft beer bars? 
Yeah, there's um, there's quite a few. Um, Eureka Burger uh, was mm-hmm. kind of one of the trailblazers. Um, okay. Yeah, I think we have one of those up here too. Yeah, yeah. they're kind of a regional chain. Yeah. Uh, lo- uh, California-owned chain, I believe. Um, yeah. That is very, very driven to support local and, you know, we've always, you know, that's where I was hanging out before. Um, there and lengthwise is where I was hanging out before Timber was open. So mm-hmm. um, there's a there's another place called Bootleggers. Um, there's a couple of locations for bootleggers here in town. They do a lot of craft beer. Um, there's many others um, that are supportive as restaurants. Um, okay. Yeah. But just the, the sounds like the, the craft beer bar scene has grown as well too, which is sort of the delivery point to, you know, to getting to you guys to coming in directly to you. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. What a great beer, man. And you know, and as it warmed up just a little bit, maybe some of the carbonation drove off uh, more of that sweetness came through. Yeah, I like it a lot. The El Cerrito it's good. It's really good. I love that that style of beer, and it's it's fun to see how much you can do differently with it, and still keep it within a style. Because for me, it is a hard beer to sort of play with like that. Yes, you know, I'm a purist, and I don't want anything. To, I don't want my pure baby to be touched at all. <laughs> but um, you know, you can you can kind of get away with it. What we haven't talked about uh, actually is the uh, is the name. Oh, the, of the brewery, Timbler yes. Brewing. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. Sure. So um, it's the word Timbler is Spanish for earthquake. Um, I didn't even know that, um, you know, trimmer and timbler are kind of the same word. Um, one, one's English, one's Spanish. Um, the, uh, there's a couple of things about the geography of, of Kern County and Bakersfield that, uh, point to the name and, you know, I, naming a brewery even back then was incredibly, uh, challenging and, and, <laughs> yeah. and time consuming, but, um, my friend Garth Corrigan uh, gave me a bunch of ideas and that was one of them. And it's, there's a, there's a mountain range on the West side of the, uh, of the County mm-hmm. on, a, on a clear day, you can see kind of rolling Hills um, and it, looking in the direction of San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, um, Santa Barbara. Um, and so it's kind of in between the, the beach communities and, and here, and it's it's where the San Andreas Fault runs. Okay. Um, so that's why it got that name, I believe. There's also uh, a more uh, historical perspective that we found on the internet one day, and this is after we named um, the brewery. And there's a there's a place called Shark Tooth Hill on the east side of town. It's a place where you can dig up um, megalodon teeth. <laughs> Wow, and other types of shark teeth all over the place and fossils, so you can actually find people out there digging all you know any day of the week, just uh, digging up the mountain. I love yeah. that. <laughs> that's so yeah, cool. It's like a there's like a band and like so there's there's like a, a trail right below it and just people digging into the side of the mountain. Wow. Well, the reason that's there is there used to be an inland sea mm-hmm. where Bakersfield is now, mm-hmm. about you know a million plus years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's called it was called the Timbler Sea apparently. So, oh. <laughs> so we're at the bottom of the Timbler Sea. Yeah, you sure are, man. <laughs> <laughs> you sure are. That's a neat story. I like it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Me. thanks. Yeah, I like there was a the sea there. That's cool. Um, all right. Well, I'll tell you what, Don. Let's take a, a quick break, 
We're going to get some more beers. We're going to come back. We're going to we're going to dive deeper into the beers. Talk a little bit about what's going on, and uh, you have some pretty interesting stuff. I was telling you before the show. I really appreciate you sent like a, a, a really wide variety of beers. So I think we'll have a lot to talk about. So hang on, everybody. We'll be right back with Timbler Brewing. It's the session. Uh, don't go anywhere. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Segmented, demented, fermented, fermented. It's the session. Hey, thanks for sticking around, everybody. It's the session. We're here with Don from Timbler Brewing, and I'm about to crack open another beer. Don, I don't know what to pull out. I have no oh, idea. Um, I have the almond brown ale, but that might be a little too. We want to do the the blood orange. We could Belgian red. Yeah, let's do that. Under a blood orange sky. I love the labels, man. They're uh, they're they're pretty slick. Thanks. I do like the back too. It's like nobody ever really looks at the poor back of a beer label. You know, because it's not a wine label. There's no story. Why the fuck would I? Um, but it's you know you got a lot of information crammed in there into like I, I'm I'm assuming just sort of leave the sides nice and clean, you know. And it's 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 nice. It's cool, man. You you uh you got a lot of info there in a small space, and it's not just a a design mess. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. I don't know why I felt I had to comment on that. Um, <laughs> let's uh, tell me about Under a Blood Orange Sky, please. Okay, um, original recipe from the beginning. Uh, we we basically uh, wanted to make a traditional Belgian wit, and um, you know, think Blanche de Brussels. Um, there's a, there's several other um, Belgian wits that you know, that I've had over in Belgium, but then we wanted to give it a little twist. And, uh, so we, we added some, uh, blood orange puree in there and not a lot. So it's, it's just a very small amount compared to some of the fruit beers that we're now <laughs> producing. Um, it's like 1% or 2% probably of that. So, okay. Just a um, hint. It, it's for little essence. Um, and then, you know, uh, Belgian wet yeast is the most important shining star, I think, of this beer. Um, there's all kinds of um, spice and um, fruity esters coming. Um, I think, depending on the age of the beer, it can kind of it can kind of change. And you know, some people talk about whether they like it fresh or a little age on it. Huh. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it's that it's that Belgian it's the Belgian beer we got away with producing. Let's put it that way, because we tried <laughs> producing others, and you know it's it's not it's not a widely sought after you know yeast style. So true. Um, it's it would be. I mean, especially if people are coming in and asking for light beers, right? It's a very aggressive yeast yep. profile to to kind of you know teach everybody about. And I don't mean to to say that like you know your patrons are are you know uneducated in in the space, but you know it, there's there's some of that. It's not like a disparaging thing, but. 
it, it takes a while for people to work up to a Belgian wit, especially with this many or this this heavy of a of a kind of like a clovey profile. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely I yeah, I can understand that for sure. Which is why I was so surprised that it was our number one beer for the first four years. Really? It was <laughs> yeah, this by, by by far. Wow. Um, it was it, it still is. For some reason it's the beginner beer when, when people come here and they haven't had our beers or they haven't had craft beer. Um it's kinda the it's kind of the first choice and you know, people tend to love it um even though it's got so much going on um and I, and honestly i think there's there's a lot going on with why that is and i think it has to do with the other wheat beers in the um you know wheat beers <laughs> in the marketplace like blue moon and shock top and things like that so okay yeah those are those are i've i've never had shock top but i've had blue moon it's fine it's a fine beer but it is sort of on the sweeter side it's very much on the sweet side, and I don't think there's any true Belgian yeast in there. No, I'd be, uh, I would be surprised. I would be shocked. <laughs> but, you know, um, I mean, I've always – that's just confusing everybody. So I <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I definitely wanted to use the real thing, and I'm glad we, we were able to do it. Um, and then to get the bronze at the GABF was, was just an absolute um, shocker. I mean, it was amazing. So – yeah, that's great. 2019. Congrats, man. That's cool. Thank you. Thank I love you. it. Yeah, that I mean that's that's a good beer. Again, it's it's very yeast focused, sort of like the uh um the El Cerrito. Is that sort of a conscious thing you guys are are trying to push more character from the yeast or just how it how it ends up when it's, you know, in the tank done and ready to go? Well, I think I think on Belgian beers especially that's I think that's why I fell in love with them is, is that is that intense yeast. Um and then, you know, I mentioned German lager yeast um, also. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think, I, I think when, when it really boils down to it, I'm, I'm uh, a yeast lover um, and then also a hop lover. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> but, you know, but then it kind of went in that order. And, yeah. and, and, you know, the malt is, is holding everything up, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it explains why you fell in love with, with beer, if I could say that, in Belgium. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, you know what I mean that that the yeast would go first. Yeah, I I like this beer, man. It's it's not you know overly sweet like we were talking about uh, with like a blue moon. There's a lot of yeast character to it. I don't know that I would have picked out the the blood orange on my own because it is it is sort of subtle. But blood orange does have a kind of a bitterness. And this beer has kind of a bitterness to it. So I would have just assumed like, oh, it's just sort of like a slightly more bitter take on a Belgian wit with like orange peel or whatever. But I like the fact that it's that it's not that you, you, you're using an ingredient that pretends not pretends, but it, you can pass it off as some other aspect of the thing. Does that make sure. sense? Absolutely. And I think yeah. that's cool. I, I like it when beers can be subtle like that. And then once you once you know that it's blood orange, you go. Okay, now of course I'm I'm an idiot for not seeing that beforehand. Why? How could I be so stupid? And I will never drink again. <laughs> it has a great aroma too. I mean, you get. Um, I think you get you get some blood. See, the, and this is the problem: is once once you know there's a thing in there, that's mm-hmm. all. It's like, of course, yeah, I can I can pick I can, that out. I can definitely pick it out. Um, it, but I don't know that I would have beforehand. One year, uh, a couple years ago, we made a double. 
under a blood orange sky. And okay. We we handpicked a a 500 blood orange tree or 500 pieces of fruit off of a tree. Oh my god! We, Why? There's, there's puree for like, that. What are you doing? <laughs> like, let's have a let's have a big fun day with it. And we, okay. So we did that. We peeled them all. It was ridiculous. It was such a mess. Yeah, bro. We boiled it off. We added it in, and it was a. I mean, you want to talk about some blood orange flavor? <laughs> <laughs> it was intense, but I can I can just it, it kind of taught me what blood orange really really is, and then you know you can really pick it out just subtly. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I like the beer. It's excuse me, it's it's very good. Thank you. Where do you add the the blood orange in the process? Uh, we add it in the mash, I believe. In the mash, okay. Is yeah, it is it is it a puree, or you're you're it, just it, using? It's a concentrated puree, I believe. Okay, yeah. and you're doing it in the mash. Wow. Okay. Yeah. How come not? You know, later in the process. You know, um, I I don't I can't answer that one honestly. Okay. Um, I think that was fair. The brewer. I did give Lottie um, the you know artist um, you know uh, touch, yeah. if you will. Okay, you know, I, see. I wasn't pushy about like you know, certain things. And that, that definitely was, was his decision. And, um, now later on we got pushy, but <laughs> <laughs> well, when it came to IPAs, but it's always um, going to happen. No, yeah. Those, the, so these first two beers are definitely his originals and, um, you know, and, uh, we've not changed them at all. So, well, it's good. I mean, there's no reason to, I'm just curious, you know, um, for some reason, the past few shows we've had people with like doing pineapple, Oh yeah, and it's like pineapple in the secondary, and it's, so I'm just I'm you know I like to 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 talk about where things get added because it does make a difference on impact, For flavor sure. impact, and and what you're trying to achieve. Absolutely, you know that's the thing, and so uh, yeah, just curious. That's cool, and then um, wow, I can't believe this was this was your number one seller for four. For four, basically your almost your entire time you've been open. What 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 unseated it? What what finally took it over? Streets of Bakersfield IPA. Okay, figures. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I had to ask that. I should just and assume. Now the loggers are, are, both loggers are starting to, yeah, kind of take it over also. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You're seeing a big, a big push in loggers. Well, we're seeing a lot of growth in, 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 uh, both of, both the loggers actually. Yeah. So, nice. and I, I think that has to do with the distribution and, um, we're also in Los Angeles in the Los Angeles area. Um, or the whole basin and, and Orange County mm-hmm. um, down there. So uh, we're we're we've got lots of uh, lots of stores um, taking these on, and um, that's good. Well, yeah. loggers are hot right now, man. Yeah, you know that's whatever. That's what I want to drink. Yeah, I think I think they're going to be hot forever. So <laughs> I, man, I hope so. I really do. But you know, you told me five years ago that there'd be a logger resurgence. I would have I would have laughed at you. Right. Hopefully it never goes away. But you know the the downside of lager season is that it's celebration season right now. So that's basically all I'm drinking until like you know February. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll come back to uh, you know to to anything else. Uh, okay. What do we got here? What's the next beer before we take a break? Streets of Bakersfield. Let's go almond brown. Almond brown. Just, Let's just do it in the order of session versus. Let's do it. All right, tell me about Almond Brown Ale, please. So Almond Brown is one of our newer products. Um, I believe it was born in 19. 
and uh, it, was a, it was a unique project um, that was a collaboration with some local uh, almond growers um, that approached us um, uh, and were a member or were participating in the California Almond Board's leadership program. Uh, so their idea was, um, their idea was to make a beer, of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. The whole idea was how do we, how do we promote al- almonds and, um, more than they already are. I mean, such a huge product, but, um, but especially here in Bakersfield and Kern County, we grow an unbelievable amount of almonds, just unbelievable. So, um, this was another beer created by Lottie, um, you know, before he, he left us, but we all kind of, uh, were passionate about IPAs also at this time. And, um, so we decided to dry hop with, with almonds, with locally roasted almonds, <laughs> dry hop with almonds. Okay. Yeah. So basically this has, um, I never thought I'd hear that sentence. Yeah, the, the guys bring us fresh almonds and then we chop and roast them ourselves in the kitchen. And then we put them into the mash and then also into the finished beer. This is a English brown with English ale yeast. Um, you know, the beer itself is what you'd expect of an, of an English brown. Uh, and then, the, you know, the almond uh, roastiness really takes over. Um, so, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we, 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 this beer is actually growing faster than any beer right now, probably, I think. Sacramento's loving it and um but the almond people really support it also all over the state um they're really passionate about it and <laughs> just, just think of like six foot tall almond people walking around <laughs> I've been watching too much South Park I guess so it's just like we are the almond people drink our beer it comes from us yeah uh, and then um this one won um in the nut beer category of the U.S. Open this year won a gold medal Nice. So, Excellent. Yeah, so it's got a it's got a nice metal under its belt. Um it's a great beer. And I I know I've been saying that a lot and it's sort of like I'm 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 pretty limited with my uh you know <laughs> my good or great or wow. I sort of I'm the Owen Wilson of the beer tasting world, I suppose. But it's it's a it's a very good beer. And again, it's a beer that sort of can be a lot of other things. If you told me there was coffee in here, I'd be like, yeah, totally. I get that. Like a medium yeah. roast. Excuse me. I'm also very phlegmy. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> uh, it's like a, like a, if you use them like a medium roast like Kenya or maybe even like a Sumatra if you want to go a little bit. But it's just if you told me that was in there, yes. If you told me that uh, you put a, a little bit of cacao nibs in there, I would have said, yeah, I could sort of see that too because there's a chocolatey thing. And then I go, um, I would love to see this on like aged like three months on cacao nibs or maybe a little bit of like, uh, you know, chocolate or some lactose in it. And you make sort of like that um, a couple places like on the East Coast do like a coffee with milk beer kind of a thing mm. to mimic that smooth richness of a milk coffee, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. This would be, this is like one of those substrate beers where you can sort of do a lot of things with because it's so complicated and it has a lot of, like on a spider graph, right? It would have like a lot of peaks in a lot of different areas on the wheel. And I think you can, you can, you can play with those um, and accentuate some things depending on what you add to it. 
I think this is a beer that you could really have a lot of riffs off of because it is so flavorful and very it's 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 very good. This is an excellent beer. Well, I think thank you, and I think we're probably going to try what you just said. So <laughs> should we have a we have a one barrel system and a three barrel fermenter that we that we'd like to strip off and do you know goofy things with and then put it on tap. Nice, dude. Yeah, yeah. So and we yeah we just. We just pulled cacao nibs out of a beer, so we'll probably try something like that. That sounds really cool. It's it's yeah, this is great, man. Like you, know, I don't know. It's sometimes I wish I could just remove my brain and like upload it to the to the metaverse, so everyone can you know understand what I'm thinking without me having to strain my brain to figure out words for it. But it's like it it sort of tastes like there's a milk uh, like a lactose thing to it because it is smooth and there's like a like a light brown sugar, like a muscovado sugar. <laughs> I'm just gonna be really bougie for a second. Um, I've been doing a lot of baking, Don. Okay, it's just it's my thing. Um, it's like it's like a light brown sugar note in there. You know, it's almost like rum like in a, in a way. You can sort of get those like aged rum notes to it. It's just man, what a fascinating beer. Yeah, great. Thank you. Great. I'm gonna um I'm gonna give some away to some some of my uh, Dr. Homebrew friends. Dr. Homebrew judges. We we do a judging program just on, on homebrew. People send us beer and we talk just like this, but with their yeah. own homebrew, um, and give them feedback. And I think they would just I think this would explode their minds. How does this do? So you said you said it's 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 you know sort of growing, uh, but this is not a light beer. You know, this is not this is not a, a Belgian wit or whatever. Or me- even no. a Mexican lager, like it's very very flavorful. But it is it is light. I mean, it is five point Yeah, so it's it's sessionable, and I mean, you definitely can drink a couple and not feel overblown. Trust so. me, man. That's it, one of the reasons why I love it so much because I'm <laughs> I'm a very like big low ABV guy. Yeah, because I love to drink. We, I just don't was, want to get drunk. You know, the guy the the, the farmers were. You know, let's make a big old crazy almond beer, and we're like, "Do we want to sell this beer? Or do we want?" To, you know. <laughs> so yeah, we were very focused on uh, having a sessionable product that yeah. we keep around, and and it wasn't planned to be year round, but it has now pretty much become a year round beer. So. I can definitely see. I mean, I can also see you imperializing this and putting it in a barrel for six months, for sure. You know, like a bourbon barrel, or I mean, yeah. you could even probably do something fucking weird and like you know. Uh, talk to a distillery putting like gin going into barrels is sort of like a thing. Take a barrel like that. That had some gin in it, but I don't know. That might be the botanicals might be a little too pokey. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you could do, you could do a lot with this. I wonder if you could even do some like wine barrels, like, like a white wine barrel or something. Ooh, you know what I mean? You just brought something up for me. Like one of my favorite products that we make, and I should have sent this too, but is a Chardonnay barrel aged Belgian uh, amber, strong amber beer. Basically, it's sounds good. Yeah, it's uh, one of my favorite. It's one of the few beers that I made at home that I was like, I, I love this beer. And but See, yeah, the you, the darker malt or the yeah. the the medium tone malt. Sugars with the Chardonnay flavor is quite spectacular. Yeah, so. I, I I would definitely get that. This tastes great. I I I don't think I can say enough good things about it. I'm I no wonder it won a gold. I mean, it should have won two golds. It's it's that good. I really enjoy it a lot. 
and I sort of don't want to like you know talk about anything else. I just want to keep <laughs> drilling down into like the flavors because it's so complicated. And I'm I'm excited for for you guys. I'm excited for the for the beer culture in Bakersfield because this is a, a popular beer. We've had some breweries on where it's like, yeah, here's this you know beer that we really love, but like people don't really gravitate towards it. And you know it happens. It just it depends on on where you're at, or maybe the education, or 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 maybe it's just it's like um, having a successful band. It's like just timing. It depends. You could be the greatest band in the universe, but you might not have that that heat. Um, and so I think it's really neat that that there's a beer like this that that people are are embracing because I'm assuring I'm I'm sure that it gives you sort of the courage to branch out a little bit more and to try other funky stuff. Absolutely. And I, I would say that, you know, it's, it's especially shocking to see a, a brown ale, um, you know, have some popularity because I, yeah. you know, a couple of years ago I would have said that I would have put that at the top of the styles that don't, don't touch that style, you know, right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we used to have a thing on the show uh, several years ago where it was like, I think it was, Sully from the 21st Amendment, he was, I think that was him or was Vinny. I can't remember, but they were like, basically, no one buys a color. So any beer that you name a color, it just no one's going to buy it. Not like red ale, no. Red IPA, eh, maybe, because IPA sort of makes up for a lot. But like brown ale, not really. Blonde ale is a whole different like thing. But uh, yeah, brown ale, I think, just in and of itself didn't sell except for beer nerds like us. Right. You know, so yeah, it's that's that was the other part too. It's it's almond brown ale. Um, Streets of Bakersfield IPA. Let's do it. Streets of Bakersfield IPA. We'll do that. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll drink the other beers and uh, talk a little bit more about um, about whatever we want. It's my show. I can do whatever I want. Streets of Bakersfield. All right, All right tell me about your IPA, man. Okay, the IPA is the most chaotic uh, of our brands. Um, what? From, from its history, from a history, historical standpoint. Okay. Uh, I think it's the fifth or sixth um, version. Um, we all, you know, fought a lot about this beer. Wow, um, that is but, hoppy aroma, man! Wow. Uh, one of my favorite breweries at the t- you know when we opened was Stone Brewing and. Uh, Sculpin, obviously, Sculpin IPA. You know, I, I knew that we had to have a classic West Coast IPA. And um, so that's that's what this is trying to be. And um, we had a lot of, of growing pains with it. But, um, you know, learning to dry hop properly and with quantities and all that, took it took us years. And I'm proud of where we, that we got there. Um our, our brew team now is completely um, made up of home brewers, local home, home brewers. So, um, but yeah, this is, uh, I think it's two and a half pounds per barrel dry hop um, with um, Matueka, Citra, and Mandarina Bavaria hops. Those first two, I, I sure, understand. Like the third one, Mandarina Bavaria, I would not have, that came out of left field for me. <laughs> you surprised me with that one. Yeah. And I think that's that's left over from earlier renditions. Um you know, we Mike Lottie, God love him, he he's not an IPA guy and he he, he wasn't um he wasn't 
making West Coast IPAs really before he came here. So um, we all fought through this together, and that's that's where it ended up. And we honestly, we all drink this just all the time, and it and it's uh, it's our number one product by a pretty good margin at this point. Yeah. So um, I mean, I I think I see what you mean about uh, fighting through it because. To me, this doesn't seem like a beer, and you know, I don't mean this to to sound you know stupid or whatever. But it doesn't seem like a beer where you 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 build on paper and you go, "This is this is what I'm going for." It does seem like a beer built from experimentation because of the Mandarin Bavaria. Um, it just it, because it seems like almost um, like a softer mouthfeel, almost like a hazy. But not that you know cloudy pillowy nonsense, right? It's 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 the water profile is a little bit rounder. It feels like to me there's not a whole lot of like upfront bitterness per se. I mean it's bitter, but it, you get so much of that flavor with that soft water profile. It drinks sort of like a hazy that's not trying to be hazy, if that makes any kind of sense. Okay, but it's so there's so much flavor in there. Like this is a, a almost it's like almost overwhelming, and I don't mean that in like a negative way because I don't want you to change anything about it. But it's like almost like wow, I'm I I need to, um, I, I don't know, I need to sit here for a second and just sort of like absorb it, you know? Because like a lot of a lot of IPAs, especially nowadays, they can be sort of funky or they can be one thing or another, or it's like. You know, it's like here's one. It's it's two row and a billion hops, and it's like this is it's too bitter for me. Or it can be um, too complicated where you don't really pick up any hop variant. Um, and this that that's not what I mean. This is this is none of those. But um, it it is it does feel like a beer that was fought over for sure. If I can steal a line from Sierra Nevada, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yes, please. Yeah, yeah. I, I, another thing I mentioned is. I, one thing that we fought a lot about was the caramel malt element. And um, uh, I think we ended up with, there's still a little C20 in there. Um, but okay. if some people had their way, we would have stripped it out. And But I I love having some malt, some extra malt in there to back up those hops. And having a really well-balanced IPA with regard to the residual sugar um, and not just having this kind of um flat malt bill where you can just you know where all you get is the hops i mean that's really what i yes. was was wanting and so i think that's so i i fought hard to keep that c20 in there you know and i i think uh i think you were right and i sort of fall in line with that too like i'm not an ipa drinker i've tried to brew it like a couple of times and i just i can't brew pale beers i don't know i'm more of a stout guy anyway and a porter guy but um I like a little bit of the C20s. I think it's totally fine. I mean, there's IPAs are, it's it's hard to get a consensus on what an IPA should be. Yeah. Especially nowadays with the hazy IPAs coming through and just, I mean, you know, literally clouding everything up. But um, it, so, yeah, I, I can imagine, especially if you have a bunch of homebrewers trying to tell you <laughs> what they think they should do because it just, it's impossible. Um, and so I, I, I think you were right to fight for that. I mean, it's your brewery. You, you do what you want. This is what this is the beer that you want. But I, I do like a little bit of that crystal malt in there, 
not too much because to me it sort of separates it a little bit from just being hop water. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I got to mention this year, our sixth anniversary is a double hazy version of, of, of this beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad you didn't send it to me, but um, no, I think that's cool, man. I, I think it's neat uh, because, you know, again, it, it's sort of, Hop the hop profile is sort of like a hazy beer in that in that way. It's like tropically, you know, mm-hmm. uh, overripe mango kind of a thing. But that uh, Mandarina Bavaria to me is like light, like high citrus, almost like white wine kind of thing, which is a little different in an, in an IPA. And I can taste it a little bit. And again, I don't know how much of that is actually my my brain working or or uh, you know me just inferring from from what I think I know about that hop, but. It it just it has it adds a little bit of a different finish at the end, which is cool. It's a it's a cool hop profile. Thank you. What yeast do you use on these? Uh, that's Kalel yeast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice clean. Just for the streets of Bakersfield, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We use we use something different for the hazies. Sure. Um, How many different yeasts are you uh, are you working with in there at Templar? Um Well, less than we used to. We we started out with a Kolsch. Um, wow. Uh, as a year round and it, it died off about oh, three years in. That hurts yeah. me. I'm sorry. I know. My, my condolences. <laughs> I love a cold. That actually is actually sort of surprising. Like the Mexican lager stayed on, but the Kolsch did it. I mean, I feel like that's less, that's more in, in between like a light beer and a Mexican lager. It would be a Kolsch. I mean, don't hold me to the fire on that, yeah. but sort of. Yeah. I, I think unfortunately the Kolsch style it just was mm. it was kind of like you know, don't make a brown ale i mean i okay. think it got worse after we opened i think people were like oh Kolsch, i don't want that you know interesting I don't, I, it was weird to me i yeah. it was one of our top threes that we started with we, we named it after our area code even wow <laughs> what other brewery does that <laughs> uh, i don't think you guys have heard of that one no who does that anymore <laughs> but did you know that ours used to be 805 did it really? It did. No. <laughs> yeah, and eight oh five is is the number one craft beer in Bakersfield by, you know, many 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 times over. Sure. I mean, you can only, you know, once you hit the the lotto, you would try to replicate it as many times as possible. I don't know what that <laughs> right. means. Yeah, I I wonder how it would do now. Kolsch. I mean, because yeah, you know, it's it rides that line. It's that hybrid line. Have, we still have a bunch of cans, so we'll probably try it again. You know, a yeah. small batch here or there. And, cool. But um, so the, these last two are like, if you thought the other the other beers were flavorful, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to them, man. We're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back and 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 I definitely want to open those. Uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, so far, I, I like everything, man. You know, the the IPA, it's it's a seven percenter and um, it. It doesn't taste like it. The um, you know, I'm I'm sitting here and letting everything sort of like hang out on my palate a little bit, and it's still just sort of like drinking the beer. The hop profile is super mellow but intense. It's it's not like I said, it's not overly bitter. It's not aggressive. It's not grassy. It's not cat pissy. It's not all these things, right? That you can sometimes get at IPAs, but it's a very just nicely well done flavored beer that doesn't taste like it's trying too much. Awesome. Thank I like you. it. Yeah. Um, so hang on a second. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Don from Tembler Brewing in Bakersfield, California. We got two more beers to drink. One's bottled. 
uh, I believe it's the Flanders, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And then we'll wrap things up. So hang on, everybody. It's the session. We'll be right back. Tuned into the session. Because life's too short to listen to crappy radio. Alright, thanks for sticking around, everyone. It's the session. We're back here with Don from Tembler Brewing in Bakersfield, California. Right there off the 99 on Buck Owens uh driver. What is it? Boulevard, thank you very much. Just the Buck Owens sticks with me. I don't know why. <laughs> Keep going back to it. Keep going back to it, man. Pushing that Bakersfield sound, baby. You gotta love it. Is uh is country and western country and western? God damn. Um, is it still big down there? Are you guys uh you know sort of like thriving off the uh, off a of country a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, I'd say about half of the about half of the pub shows we have here are, are have some element of country. Um, there's a there's a couple of bands that are really focused on the old school country. Um. Yeah. So it's. I love it. It's really cool. I do like a lot of country, man. Or old country. Um. And I don't know why that's like, not new country, but old country. You know, the only one song about my truck. Yeah. It's, it is really different. It really is, man. And uh, it's almost like, like what a lot of like old country. Well, I mean, like like Buck Owens and uh, Merle Haggard and whatever. They, they were like rallying against like the Nashville sound of like everything's too polished. It was. It's almost like what's popular now. Mm-hmm. Is the sort of the same like thing, and then you know Hank Williams the third is doing his best to bring back the outlaw country. But um, if you if you're if you're into the country, which sounds like you are in the old country, uh, there's a a podcast I will recommend to you. Which even though we already talked about, neither of us have time to listen to podcasts. Uh, it's called Dollar Country, dollarcountry.org, and it's this kid who just uh, kid, he's you know a man. Um, he just digs for like old country like forty fives. And plays from like artists that you've generally never heard of, and it's like from like the forties and fifties, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's a cool little podcast, Dollar Country. Um, yeah, check it out, man. It's uh, it's neat. Yeah, kids are real passionate, and it's uh, it's good. Um, all right. Speaking of good, we have Key Lime Pie Kettle Sour brewed <laughs> with graham cracker, lactose, and vanilla. I feel like I'm interviewing a different brewery. Who yeah. are, who are you? Yeah. What brewery are you from? Because this, this is, is not a brewery from the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about this, man. This sounds amazing. Okay, so it's a series that was born with Ruby's boysenberry cobbler. So I just got to throw that out there. <laughs> okay, because that Ruby is my grandmother. Nice. So she made she made cobbler. Of course, you have to every at every you know thunder you know, family get together. Yeah. So. This was the second rendition. Um, I will, I'll run you through it. We do a 48-hour kettle sour with lactobacillus. We boil, and then we do a primary fermentation, and then we load with uh, just a ton of, of key lime puree from Oregon fruit, I believe. Okay. Make good stuff. Yeah. And secondary fermentation at that point. And, and then... In the finish, we um, we add lactose, vanilla. I'm sorry, the graham cracker goes in the mash. 
So okay, it's pretty cool how it comes through, um, you know, in in the aroma and and the flavor, even though it's in the match. So um, yeah, so that's kind of how we do these beers. It it does carry through, and that's one thing I noticed when I when I took my first sip. It was that graham cracker sort of thread in between all yeah. the flavors, like a sandwich, like a reverse yeah. s'more or whatever. That's interesting. And this one is especially acidic, I would say, because of the key lime. Yeah, absolutely. The other ones, you know, the the, the boysenberry, you know, is much more balanced. Okay. All right. The cattle sour. Um, but some people just go crazy about this beer, and I think it's our highest rated beer right now, which is just <laughs> insane. <laughs> I, I I couldn't, um, and this is a good thing. I I couldn't pigeonhole you guys if I tried. <laughs> and it sounds like it sounds like your customers can't either. I mean, this is your highest rated beer, and you have a Mexican lager sort of dominating things, and then you have a wit beer that's really dominating, and you have an I mean, just you have a lot of different stuff. You have lagers up and coming. It just sort of it feels like you're really uh, you're really stretching your your brewing, and it and it sounds like the community sort of with you on that vibe too. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, but, but again, the pandemic, a silver lining in the pandemic was certainly this. This line of beers, um, also the, uh, just the mixed berry cream sickle just came out. This is another line. <laughs> Man, <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? It is. If, if you had asked me um, if I if we if I'd be making the beers like this, I would just you know a few years ago I would have said not no way you know. Yeah. But um, well, what changed? Right. We you know we talked about the pandemic changing things like that. How did how did the pandemic shift that into? The boysenberry creamsicle, or where the so there's yeah the pandemic was a big element, but the other big element was a new head brewer, and Justin okay. is, uh, you know, uh, Justin and the team, I should say, we were all very excited to just get out there and start experimenting and doing some crazy stuff. Um, uh, survival was part of it, mm-hmm. you know, you know, doing things that would entice your non-traditional beer drinker, I think was a big part of it. And, um, you know, not things that I, you know, would, would make it home, you know, for myself, but yeah, that's okay. The biggest thing that I learned in this business is, you know, if you're going to survive, you're going to make beers that people want to drink and buy. And if you don't do that, you won't survive. Yeah. And it's interesting because you said that you're, 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 you're making beers to entice new beer drinkers. And I feel like with those beers, I'm always of the impression that you're, that you would be, or breweries would be targeting existing beer drinkers who like that. I don't really look at like a, like a hazy, like a, is it a hazy beer? I mean, it sounds like a hazy beer cause it's creamsicle, but it's describe the no, beer no, no. For me. Cream, the creamsicle is much like this, except higher alcohol, no kettle sour. Okay. And no graham crackers. So vanilla lactose. Okay. Tons of fruit. Okay, still, uh, yeah. then, then uh, just with a little bit of more knowledge, I, I can I can move forward with my with my stupid yeah, yeah, you know yeah. boiled brain thought. But it's like I, I would automatically assume that like oh you're just you're always going to be marketing to existing beer drinkers, but not new people with like sort of a funkier beer that stretches the definition of a beer or or you know whatever maybe that's hyperbole. But um, I just I thought it was an interesting point to sort of touch on that. You, 
to to maybe target people who haven't had beers or who aren't craft beer drinkers or or whatever. I I, I think that's something I should, should, can take away from funky beers like like what you're describing. Yes, yeah. I, I think you know we're we're thinking about converting people more than other places because, like I said, we're behind the game. Mm-hmm. Behind eight ball. Um, one one fun note: we, the first one we made here was a raspberry creamsicle. Um, We'll get back to the key line, but yeah, for sure. No, I, I trust saw, me. We're I getting saw, back to it. <laughs> I saw, I saw like women that I that I know from like business and stuff. I saw mm-hmm. them would they would just during the pandemic they would come multiple times a week and buy that beer, and wow. I never seen them step step foot in the brewery. So um, it in that way it did its job in in you know getting people to try some people that wouldn't buy drink our other beers or say I don't like beer or whatever. Yeah. yeah, getting them in the game. So, and with, is the the pandemic part also sort of? Well, I, how can I put this? Um, sort of calling on the community to support the local brewery, no matter what. And here's an opportunity for people to do that. It's like out yeah. here, you know, in the Bay Area, that was definitely a huge part of of why I was drinking beers that I wouldn't normally drink. It's to sort of just help, like, okay, I I can, first of all, this brewery can deliver beer to me. That's great. I'm going to do that. Let's just stretch out a little bit. Let's try this, or let's get a little bit more of this other thing. Um, and it, it, it sounds like these beers can sort of be that for people who aren't necessarily really craft beer drinkers, but do want to keep their local place in business. Absolutely. I mean, we had a tremendous, for the first six, I would say, six months of the pandemic, a tremendous outpouring from the community. The real tough part was after that, when everything was like, where are we now? Yeah. You know, still had lockdowns going on. You know, we had that January full lockdown thing, which was the craziest part for us. Um, But these beers, you know, we went down to no kegs, as as I'm sure you know, everyone did. But uh, so these beer, these canned beers, especially in the LA area, we're, we're kind of like saving us and, wow. you know, having new products at that time was just a godsend. I mean, cool. that's, that's all anyone wanted was a new product right in the <laughs> middle of the pandemic. They wanted something <laughs> exciting and new, you know? Yeah. Which sort of echoes what the beer, the beer drinker sort of wants anyway, but I feel like the pandemic sort of accentuated that. Totally. Yeah, totally. And it's all, and it's kind of snapped back in many ways uh, <laughs> now. So, it's very interesting. Like, you know, kegs are back in a big way. So you push a more draft. Yes. Yeah. I, I would say more than 50% draft at this point when we were like last year at this wow. time, we were like 0%. So that's, <laughs> that's wild on, on so many levels. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's very wild, man. Um, yeah, this, uh, this, uh, key lime pie kettle sour, man, that graham cracker. I'm, I'm surprised at how much of it comes through. I mean, there's a cinnamon aspect to it, and I would think that the cinnamon would sort of get washed through and not really be as prevalent at the end. But it's it's right there. Yeah, it is up front. Yeah, that smells like a, like opening a package of graham crackers, but like good graham crackers. You know what I mean? Not like the Nabisco ones. Where you're like, you're like, ah, okay, whatever. I don't know. I mean, maybe you use those. I don't know. But it just it's it's somehow like focused everything. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. It's that graham crackers red. Yeah, I I could just smell this all day, which makes for boring radio, but you know what are you going to do? 
Yeah, you know what? And and like you said, it's um it is very tart and, and a lot of it is is a lime thing, but kettle sour does pretty good too. I mean, uh I like to think I can sort of figure out you know the lime aspect what where the kettle sour part ends and the lime sort of begins but but not really at the same time it it you do a really good job what i've noticed about all your beers is you guys do a great job working with the the ingredients making sure that nothing is really sticky outy nothing pokes out nothing is too obvious everything sort of works together and blends well together and that's not an easy thing to do thank you yeah, how does the um, how does the key lime pie, how does the key lime pie sell for you guys? People love it. This this series does consi- you know it's consistent. Um, you know we've got there's a fan base you know that probably just drinks just this stuff. <laughs> just you know no. if you course there's yeah. just people who are just drink kettle sours and that's it. I yeah. Mean, um. It's definitely not like on the you know on the drink list for mo- many of the employees, but um, you know sometimes we like to mix and things you know give little elements of grant you know things like that. And, I would I would uh, uh, float a little rum on this if I if I had if I was at home with actually I am at home and I have more of this. I'm gonna float a little aged rum, maybe a little Kirk and Sweeney twenty three man, just bloop right on top. Yeah, round it out. That sounds great. That's what I would do. <laughs> um, you know what we haven't covered, man. Is, and I apologize. What size is your brewery? How many barrels are you working with? Oh, yeah. What do you guys produce? So we're, we're a twenty barrel brew house with the with the one barrel um, on the side. Um, we make uh, we're we're going to be somewhere in the realm of two thousand barrels this year. Um, Pretty good. We were sixteen and change last year, and thirteen and change in nineteen. So. That's nice, steady growth, man. Yeah, we got st- yeah. some steady growth, and um, I mean, if you're growing in, in, in now and nowadays, you're you're doing really, really well. I think. Yeah, yeah. We're, that's great. We feel, we feel blessed to be growing. There's, I mean, yeah, and we're and we're we've got space to do four to five thousand barrels. So, you know, if we if we ever get up there, it'll probably be pretty chaotic, and. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we can feel comfortable between where we're at and and where that's at. So, um, yeah. All right, Flanders Red. Talk to me about Flanders Red, please. Okay, so we have a, a sour brewer. His name is Sean Van Sickle. Um, he is well known in the in the homebrew community, um, and has been working us for us for many years. And actually, most recently, has become a sales sales guy. But we gave him rain over a barrel program in the back. He brought in his uh, proprietary yeast blend that he retrieved from Belgian bottles. Um, okay. Cantillon, I'm sure many, <laughs> some of them, you know. Yeah. And uh, brought that in. And so what this, this is an 18-month-old um, recipe that he put together that was in barrels um, for, I think, about 12 months. Okay. Um, so we start in... And these are, you know, one to two barrel batches that we're doing, hand bottled, bottle condition. Um, and then, you know, aged in the bottle for a few months to, to finish off. Um, but, you know, I don't, I'm not a, like a huge sour, you know, traditional sour drinker, but I appreciate 
you know, um, you know, what Cantillon and, and breweries like that do. And, and, um, I thought that this Flanders was spectacular. And, um, and we actually sent this in the GABF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> went for, went for something, but we didn't get anything. But, oh, damn. That's all right, um, man. But, but this is just one of like five or six bottled sours that we have right now. Um, and this is, this is like the, the one that we have that's traditional, I would say. What kind of barrels are you, uh, putting this in? I believe this is in a red wine barrel. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely, uh, I picked up on something that wasn't just like pure beer. Yeah. I get a little red wine. Yeah. And that's probably why we didn't get it. <laughs> but, but, but one thing I would mention, um, is my background is in wine. Um, as far as tasting and drinking goes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, my dad's a collector. He's been collecting uh, Napa wine since before I was born. So um, once I turned 21, I got exposed to all the great wine that California and France have to offer. Wow. Um, and it was just it's an unbelievable education that I received. And um, pretty odd for my dad when I wanted to go into the brewing business. But. <laughs> He's probably hoping to get like a an, an inside foot or a foot in the yeah. door of a, of the next collection, man. No, but I mean, uh, so yeah, my background is in more subtle, you know, wine aroma and, and flavors. Yeah, uh, that's so, and that yeah. that shit's hard too. Like wine yeah. tasting is it, it can be challenging, uh, you know, because even I mean, beer can sort of withstand a little bit of oxidation, like in the glass when you're drinking it or whatever. You know, it's like we off gas and you know has that layer of protection, but wine doesn't, and it just. But uh, but some of those those like basic like fl- like flavor descriptor bases you know like leather they can, they can translate but it's that branching off that that really changes between beer and wine you know it's not an exact one for one so uh, yeah it's a good foot in the door of like how to approach a glass of a thing but after a while you're on your own you know there's we have a couple other beers that are just like God it's al- it's almost like you're drinking a white wine. Uh, Asian, a Chardonnay barrel, you know? So, I, I mean, this, this part of the business is definitely, um, what kind of fun, cool stuff can we come up with? It's not, it's not here to, you know, to try to sustain the business, you know, it's here to, to yeah. experiment and, you know, really get out there. But, um, these, yeah. these beers are very out there. So, <laughs> yeah. How do people react to this? How does the, so that's, that's the cool thing. We have a steady flow of, of people drinking these mostly at the pub. Okay. Um, and they, you know, they sell for 10 a bottle and, um, it's a so good price, I'm, dude. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm always pleasantly surprised that they continue to, you know, have some demand. And, um, that is, it hasn't always been the case. I think we, we, we figured out some things along the way, but he's, he was working on, uh, many of the beers that we have now for, like I said, about 18 months, two years. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. 10 a bottle for this is a very, very decent price. Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot, again, there's a lot here. It's, it's, it doesn't fall apart in any sort of, I apologize. My fucking throat, dude. I'm just, I'm a phlegmy mess for some reason for the last like two months. It's annoying as hell. Um, but anyway, it, it it doesn't like fall apart after you know any any certain amount of time. Sometimes Flanders, especially like I'm not a, a giant fan of the style because it 
for me, it's a very finicky style to pin down. You can either get so you know acetic where it's like nail polish remover, like like Duchess de Bourgeon or whatever. Yeah. I've had so many bottles of that of that beer where it's just like I'm just drinking nail polish remover <laughs> with like a little bit of sugar and it's 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 too much. And then on the other side, it can be a little too sweet and not. Flanders Red is for me a very hard style. Um, the uh, uh, Rodenbach, I don't really like Rodenbach. So for me, I just I don't really I'm not really exposed to it. But the the styles that I've had or the the examples that I've had aren't necessarily. I don't know. Interesting. But this is like, it's like a focused version of a Flanders red where it's, it's very, very intense. The, the beer character is very, very intense. Um, the sour is maybe a borderline for me too much, but it works so well with like those darker cherry flavors of the malt and the beer itself that it's like, it's okay. So for me, it like pushes the boundaries of a Flanders. It's like a bigger Flanders for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, but it still, again, like everything else, it sort of works together. Um, and I couldn't imagine what it would be if you like backed off a little thing. Like it would be really hard to tweak this beer. It's sort of, I think it is what it is. And what it is, it's a, it's a very good beer. It, it's very, very complex, very, very robust. Um, cherry pie doesn't really even do it justice, although. I would put this in my cherry pie. I would I would make a cherry pie with this beer because it is it is those dark sugars with that sour. Get some sour cherries, that nice crust. I'm getting fat for days, dude. Oh yeah, that sounds yeah, that sounds good. If you never made a sour, if you've never made a cherry pie with a, a sour beer before, I highly recommend it. Especially okay. something like this. Yeah, I haven't done that. Um, yeah, it, wow, it's it's. I mean, it's great. You know, it's. Um, I think for a Flanders lover, I think it. I think it's exciting. Um, yeah, it is an obscure style that that I mean, know, that a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't touch. So no, and even for a non-Flanders lover like myself, it's a good beer. But yeah, if you, if you like Flanders, if you if you like these kind of sour red beers, you're 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 drinking this all day, especially for ten bucks a bottle. Three was it three seventy five? Yeah, yeah. Up up here in Northern California, it'd be fifteen bucks, man, and worth it still. So. I think it's a good deal. <laughs> Personally, I don't know why I'm harping on the price. But yeah, that's very good. It's very, um, yeah, you got your dark fruits. You got your sweetness. You got your sour. It's almost like a dill pickle thing, which mm. I know sounds gross in and of itself. But with it, but all you beer drinkers, you know what I'm talking about when I mean. I'm not literally saying dill, but it is that sour, like almost that salt and vinegar push, but that, the, the malt character underneath it rounds it out and makes it just makes it make sense. So it's, uh, I would say I would, again, I would say it's very, very complex Flanders red, but it works really well. And I, I, I wouldn't imagine this any different. I like it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, all right, Don. Well, I think I've taken up <laughs> enough of your time on a Monday. Um, so I think we'll let you go. We're going to end the show here. We're going to wrap everything up. Um, but where can people learn more about Tembler Brewing Company? Uh, check out our website, templarbrewing.com. We have um, most most of our information is on Instagram. We have Templar Brewing, and then we have Templar Brewing Events. Um, we have um, world-class comedy shows, concerts um, here at the brewery all the nice. time. 
And we just had Kevin Nealon uh, of Saturday Night Live a few nights ago. That was one of the one of the highlights for sure. Nice, man. But yeah, if you're ever in Bakersfield, check us out. We do have live music Fridays and Saturdays and many Thursdays now. Uh, all local um, artists and yeah, we're just uh, we're trying to promote the culture of craft beer here in Bakersfield, and we're loving it. So, yeah, sounds good, man. I look forward to getting down there. Yeah, let us know, and we'll uh, we'll meet up. I will. That'd be cool, man. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning into the session. I really appreciate it. Thank you to our sponsors, More Beer, and uh, everybody else you've heard throughout the, uh, the hour and a half here. We we appreciate you guys supporting us and supporting them as well. So uh, until next time, everyone. We'll see you later. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jay-Pee's an asshole Justin's on my sky And winning the race Jay-Pee does great as his charity